Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. Our guest today is Ellis Rosenberg, who has been an educator for over 30 years and has taught in Jewish day schools in both Allentown and Harrisburg. And in addition, he also teaches Hebrew school at Ohev Shalom. Um, Hi, Ellis. Welcome to our podcast. And we are very excited that you're here with us today. And, and thank you. And, and all of that's all of that's in Pennsylvania. I just want to point that out. You know, we have listeners all over the world. So <laughs> Allentown and, and Harrisburg, both in Pennsylvania. So Ari, yes, thanks for having me. Oh. Thanks we're, for joining us. We're pretty us. excited to uh, <laughs> uncover these gems from you, sir. Definitely. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and actually how you began your educational journey? Okay, so I was educated at the Silver, used to be Yeshiva Academy here in Harrisburg. I went to high school at the Chafetz Chaim, the Tamaruko Academy in Baltimore. Uh, began college at University of Pennsylvania when my father got sick and uh, passed away. I took over the family business. Uh, so I actually finished my degree in business administration with a minor in accounting at um, Elizabethtown University which is located here in, in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm married to Annie for a very long time, over 42 years. Wow, good for you guys. Yeah, yeah work. Um, three sons, the youngest of which is, uh, the youngest of whom is uh, married in Israel with uh, our four grandchildren. So, uh, hmm. how did I get started in the education business? Uh, that's a great question. I, I was trying to think this through as we're talking here. Um, I, I, I'm sure that I kind of mentored when I was in junior high school, as it was at the time. Uh, and then when I was in uh, high school at TA, um, I tutored uh, bar mitzvah lessons. And I think that's kind of what uh, whet my appetite for the future. Um, shortly after Annie and I got married, I began teaching at Harrisburg Hebrew School. Uh, I don't remember if there was a position that was open and I applied for it, or if Mr. or Mrs. Lipsky, who were in charge of Harrisburg Hebrew School, called me knowing that I had been doing some teaching on the side. Um, but that's how that began. And um, if I recall, it was three times a week. It was, uh, I think, Monday. No, it was probably Tuesday, Thursday afternoons after school and Sunday mornings. Um, what happened then? Uh, uh, Harrisburg, High, Harrisburg Hebrew School closed. And then I just kind of smoothly transitioned to the same position at Ohev Shalom. And I'm not sure. I think that was either 1980 or 81. And I've been there ever since. Um, when a position opened up, it, it was still called the Yeshiva. I began part-time there. And um, as a full-time position, shortly thereafter opened up. And my family, our family business was passed on to my younger brother. Then uh, I took the uh, full-time position at the Silver. It was still the Yeshiva Academy back then. And that is it. It in a nutshell, and here I am all these years later. Wow, I actually had no idea there was a Harrisburg Hebrew School. Was that made up of kids from the few different synagogues that are here, or if I remember correctly, um, there were no individual 
temple, synagogue, after school, religious school at the time. Wow. The, uh, the Harrisburg Hebrew School was for anybody whose children need, wanted a Jewish education, but did not want to put the full day uh, education in the uh, Shuv Academy. So okay. filling a niche there for anybody in the community. Wow. So are there any educators that you particularly admire? Um, actually, the one that, that I admire most, and even today, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm older than dirt, um, but I go back to my sixth grade rabbi, Rabbi Pinchas Goldberg. Wow. And there's, there's, I, I, I still quote him to this day. Um, my younger brother, Alan, went to this school as well, and he and I still discuss Rabbi Goldberg did this and Rabbi Goldberg said that. And, and um, there, there were a few things. Rabbi Goldberg was also the Limude Kodesh, the secular studies principal. Um, and there are a few things that really still uh, stand out. He never, Rabbi Goldberg never showed fa uh, favoritism, whether you were uh, a, a, an expert as it were in sixth grade with the Talmud or with the laws customs, or um, so you had a tougher time grasping it. Um, he treated all of the faculty with respect, all students all respected. It was, he was of the opinion that you, you get what you give as far as respect. And he respected faculty guests. He, I treated everybody with total derech respect. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg always had a smile on his face, and one of the things that uh, I remember to this day, um, if if a student asked a question and he would say, "Rabbi Goldberg, I have a stupid question," and and Rabbi Goldberg would never say, "There's that that your question was stupid." If he felt that you were sincere and you wanted to know something about Judaism, Judaics, the halacha, the Jewish law. Um, he would take time out to answer you. So he's probably number one on the list. So do you think that that's a very impressionable age? Like, do you find that other, I mean, obviously, because you're on the other end of that now. Um, right. I am on the other end of it. But one of the things, um, I'll tell you a cute story. When I first began teaching at the, uh, the Shiv Academy, it was uh, fourth grade. And somebody was saying, boy, you have fourth grade. They're, they're, they're really a spirited group. <laughs> and then a few years later, when I, let's say, was promoted to seventh grade, oh, you're teaching seventh grade. That's a really spirited group. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so um, all children, all adults actually are impressionable as far as huh. my, my experiences, both as a, an educator and as a student. That's a good wow. point. Yeah. How do you talk about God, um, and how might this differ with the various age groups that you teach? Um, again, another good question. It's usually within the last probably um, maybe 12, 15 years, I've been mostly teaching third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, so I'll focus on that, and maybe if we have time, I'll get into something else. But um, if, if students either are younger or even as far as uh, maybe not brought up in a traditional household, sometimes I, I find that I've started with my own, my own personal experience as kind of what I still have in my head. When I was about six, seven, eight years old, 
when we talk about God, we talk about Hashem. I, I had this image of, of this, it's probably the same image that everybody else has, of, of this like huge guy with, with a, a white, long white beard, this <laughs> old man. And especially when we learned about uh, Passover, Pesach, that God with an outstretched excuse me, with an outstretched arm, I have this whole idea of, of this like five mile long arm reaching out and saving the Jewish people. Wow. So, so then the kids know that they're not alone if they have questions about, well, exactly what is this God or what is Hashem that we're referring to? And then pretty much I'll, I'll move forward to uh, we'll discuss the, the the cycle of life, and we're talking about both with humans uh, and animals, uh, nature, and as often as not, um, I might mention, um, does anybody here have a great-grandparent um, who's no longer alive or something like that? And we'll, we'll go we'll segue from that into, well, yeah, I have a baby sister now or a baby brother. And that's that whole cycle. And I, I might even bring in everybody. Uh, most everybody has seen, if not the original Lion King, they've seen the remake of the Lion King, where they talk about the, the cycle of life. And um, they see how everything interacts. And we talk about how everything fits. And even as far as um, human beings and, and how we have eyes that see and in the five senses and um, that, that everything is, is working perfectly within the cycle of life. And it shows that we're going from this long outstretched arm in my imagination to how the, the, the hand, so to speak, of Hashem is involved in everything. And then if there are any questions about, well, how, how, do, you, um, uh, how do you believe in God? You don't see God. And I said, well, that's where belief in and of itself comes in. If you saw God, then God wouldn't be God. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be belief. It would be science. So that, that's, and, and again, if there, and there are, uh, even when I've been at the Sober Academy and I've, um, I've taught some of the older classes as well there, but usually there it's more uh, Jewish history class and things like that. But um, sometimes if I've been in charge of, uh, of tefillah, of davening, I will tell the kids it's hard in the morning and the afternoon and the evening, for that matter, for the morning, uh, afternoon, and evening services. Um, sometimes I'll find that I'm halfway through the tefillah, the davening, and how did I get from here to there? Because sometimes you're done. it's done by rote. Because you don't have God, you don't have Hashem that you see Hashem, and it's um, it's a constant challenge. And I admit to the kids, I have that challenge just like you have that challenge, and um, we'll discuss it. And, and again, then pretty much on a higher level, we'll talk about how things are um, created in such a way that it could not have been if this is what our this is what my belief is and i believe this is what everybody who is usually in the, the day school or the hebrew school is if our belief is that god has created the the world as we know it um then there is that belief because what we see my understanding my belief could not have just been happenstance 
And then from there, if there are any other questions, or, or again, I, I don't know that, well, and, and I remember asking when I was in Rabbi Goldberg's class, for that matter, well, if God was before and God is now and God, where was the, how was the universe or where was God before there was God? And there's obviously there's no answer to that because God always was in Adon Olam in one of the first prayers in the morning and I guess one of the last prayers at night um, on Yomim Tovim on the holidays is the Adon Olam. God was, is, will be. Um, so if, if God were finite, then God wouldn't be God. So, and, and again, we follow up. If there are any questions, I try to answer to the best of my ability. I really like that because I know I find sometimes it can be challenging to explain it, especially to kids and for them to kind of be able to wrap their heads around it. So it's a really interesting way that you do it. I, I, I often have trouble wrapping my brain around it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what do you find to be your biggest challenge that you faced as an educator? Um, probably all the way back. The biggest challenge is, um, and, and, you know, I don't want to sound like, boy, when I was a kid, we walked uphill to school carrying a hot baked potato and that was our lunch. And we walked uphill back home as well. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but, um, when I went to school, when uh, most of the kids from my generation went to school, usually mom and dad were home. And mom, as often as not, worked um, in the house. Um, dad probably went out. And at 6 o'clock, he sat down for dinner. And at 7 o'clock, um, your homework. And at 8 o'clock, you had a bedtime snack. And at 9 o'clock, you were in bed. But um, it doesn't seem to be that way now. So the kids, I, 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 hesitate, I hesitate to say that kids are overprogrammed. But I'm going to say kids are overprogrammed. And uh, usually what's, what's happening is, is the Hebrew slash Judaic studies um, are pushed to the bottom of the list or they're the first to be deleted from the list. And um, I'll get, well, yeah, little Joey, um, he, he, I know that he had your homework, but uh, there was softball practice and, and then um, we had swimming and then um, we had dinner and then we had to go out and pick up the dog and then it was bedtime. And uh, we don't get that reinforcement from home. And that in and of itself is, is a major challenge that I see. I definitely agree with that. So, so how do you stay motiv motivated as an educator? Oh, wow. Um, how do I stay motivated? Um, it, it's, I look at, um, especially if I'm in the, the class with the, the younger, uh, the younger students, say third, fourth, fifth grade, I generally, the last number of years, um, I'm figuring this is not mom and dad's homework. Um, I'd love to have mom and dad be part of it, but I try to get whatever I can across during the if it's a 40-minute period or if it's a, a morning or afternoon, whatever time is allotted to me, I try to, to make that connection. And what I've, um, what I've often told colleagues is that 
10 years from now or 15 years from now, I don't expect, if I'm teaching Passover, for example, I don't expect the students to remember the four terms of Geula, of redemption. Sometimes there's a fifth term added. I don't expect them to remember but I do want them to have that that pintaliyid, that piece of of Judaism in their heart that they'll ask themselves, you know what, I don't remember exactly what Mr. R said about why, but I do remember there are four cups of wine. Let me go and find out what else we can do to have our Passover Seder or the, the Hanukkah celebration or whatever we were talking about. Um, and and I, I do uh, I do emphasize Derech Eretz probably as much as any teacher that I've come across with. And that comes again, let's go back to Rabbi Goldberg. Um, and, and I want the kids to understand that, that it is important to know the halachot, the laws. Um, but it's as it says, Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah which uh, loosely translated means respect or, or honoring others comes even before you learn Torah. And I'm hoping that I can that develop that, that, that feeling of what is important uh, in, in, with the, within the kids. And then, you know, 10 years from now, again, 15, whatever it is, um, it, it'll be part of them. So they can look back, for example, and say, you know what? Um, I, I don't remember those specifics from Mr. R's class, but um, you know, I, I I remember that it's important to, to treat others with respect, and, and that's kind of what uh, a lot of what keeps me going. Right. So it kind of uh, now I'm wondering, you know, the uh, the word education. It's kind of a, a bit of like an amorphous term, like. How, how do you define really even what education is, or Jewish education in particular? Um, it, it's more of an, almost a, a, an inculcation and, and of, of a way of life. Um, and, and again, it's more of a, I, I don't need the kids to remember details. I don't, uh, obviously I would like, if I'm teaching class Hebrew as a language, as a Lashon, um, I, I don't expect them to, to be 10 years from now to be fluent in Hebrew, um, things like that. But it, it, I want them to have the feel, the, the, the feeling that I am a Jewish person. Uh, one of the things I, I believe it was the, the Pew study that, that uh, actually put the numbers together that I think it's over 60% of Jews marry outside of the faith. Right. I feel I feel that if I can if I can burn the importance of living a Jewish life into my students with enough feeling, enough emotion, that hopefully when they're out of my class ten years, whenever it is, when they get married, they'll have that feeling that well, they, they don't want to be part of the the breaking of that shell shell at that that thirty five hundred year old chain. Right. That's, again, kind of what keeps me going. Wow. Yeah, it's actually really interesting that uh, to prioritize such things over, let's say, you know, Hebrew or, you know, Israel, I, I know are two other big ones that sometimes people feel like, well, the children above all else should, you know, know Hebrew and should move to, you know, have a love for Israel type thing. Well, 
Ari, I hear your point, but but I feel that the, the love of Judaism comes, if that comes first, that's kind of like a, when we have, if you look at a pyramid, you can't build an upside down pyramid. And the, the love of Judaism is part of your base of the pyramid. And um, listen, I am as Zionist as they come, well, maybe not <laughs> as my son and his wife who actually live in Israel for the last, uh, since they got married. Um, and that is important. And I've gone to um, the, the College for Israel, sorry, the, the Center for Israel Education um, Conference in Atlanta and Emory College, Emory University, um, to, to learn how to teach modern Jewish history. And I have done that, but um, that's, that's almost like a, a specialty course. Um, and when I've taught fourth, fifth grade before, We'll have a, a life in Israel, but it's almost, or even when I've taught Hebrew language, we've, at the Silver Academy, we use the, the Tel Am curriculum. And a lot of a lot of the Tel Am curriculum is based as if you were in Israel. So I, I, I transfer, hopefully, some of the, the love of, of Israel, Zionism, as we learn how to speak Hebrew. And um, so, I mean, the love of Israel and, and Zionism, it's there, but it's, 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 not, uh, it's not the base. It's like right above the base of teaching the, the law for being Jewish. Right. Yeah, it's a good point, too, because uh, like one could argue that the love for Israel or even love for the Hebrew language is kind of stuff that they'll learn just if you're that way, they're going to learn it from you. Right. You know, it's, it, it's harder to teach that, let's say, if, like you, if you don't feel it. So. Right. so if you don't feel it, there's, there's a book by Rabbi Shalom Hammer, and uh, he talks about his son was in the, I think his son is still in the service in, in Israel, the IDF, and letters, and he ties it in with the, the Parshat HaShavua, the, the, the weekly Parsha, and the son um, sends, sent a, a few emails to dad about some of the people, some of the soldiers, men and women in the IDF, who they're in the IDF as soldiers protecting their country, but it's no different than um, soldiers in the United States protecting their country. It's, there, there's no, there's no Yahadut, there's no Judaism there. It's, it's the patriotic thing to do. <laughs> certainly not denigrating what they're doing, but they're doing it for the love of, because it is where they were born. And it has nothing to do with, you know, mom and dad could have been born in Romania and they would be serving in the Romanian army. So you need to inculcate that love of Israel um, and, and not, uh, not just uh, the love of Judaism, but that comes after you have the broad base of your pyramid. Uh, loving Judaism as such. So what advice would you give to new educators who are just beginning their journey? Uh, hmm. if, you're, if you're getting into the journey just for the paycheck, <laughs> find something. <laughs> uh, there, are, there, are, there are lots of other professions where you can make a whole lot more money. But if you remember, and uh, you have to actually look at it so it kind of gets lost here remember the math formula to teach is to touch a life forever okay so when a former student approaches me and 
that I have had this on numerous occasions and it tells you that it tells you that you're one of the reasons that he became a rabbi who wow. became more involved in traditional Judaism that is I think it's the old visa commercial that's priceless <laughs> it is priceless right. that's you're gonna get rewarded in that manner many times more don't get me wrong you know you can't live on on those priceless moments you need a paycheck but you're not getting into this for the paycheck you're getting into it for the love of what you do and those rewards your your former students coming back to you and and i've i've subbed already um at harrisburg hebrew high and years later and that was only for one or two um one or two sessions and some of the kids have come up to me and said mr r do you remember when and i'm like well wait a minute well who is this and what did i teach and it slowly comes back because over the years i've had numerous students but that that that's what makes this all worthwhile i agree for now, sure would you encourage uh students to go into this field like uh, particularly uh i guess the the boys um boys or girls for that matter um you know if if uh there are women who go into the rabbinic now. I don't know that um, we're going to have a chance to discuss that tonight. But <laughs> Might be too controversial. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not. I'm not touching that one. You know. <laughs> um, as far as going into education itself, um, my wife has taught um, not as long as I have, but actually, I think she. There is there's a picture that when the Federation or JCC last year, two years ago, I don't remember, um, had a pictorial history of just JCC Federation happenings. And there was a picture, um, I, it must have been the first year that we were married. My wife was teaching at Harrisburg Hebrew School, Harrisburg Hebrew School. Wow. And um, she's been at Ohab Shalom probably close to, um, as long as I have, and she, she's taken off, I think, more time when we've had the three boys, but uh, there's, there's nothing the matter with the woman teaching. Um, and some of the teachers, when when I was at Silver, Yeshiva Academy, Rabbi Silver's wife taught first grade. Not when I was there, she taught, I think, the year before. And then uh, I think she retired to have her uh, one of her kids, but, um, I would if if you can do it if you have the 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 connection with kids, then I, I would certainly recommend it to anybody who feels that they have the the wherewithal, the emotional connection, and you can make that difference, um, and and you can live on a a little less money than than say, you know, being a hedge fund uh, guy down on Wall Street. <laughs> do it, do it. Well, you mentioned before about, you know, establishing that love of Judaism. How do you think that we can help our students really build a proper Torah foundation? Um, well, um, I, I haven't quite figured that out yet. <laughs> I, know, I, I know that we have to have somehow place more emphasis within Jewish families on the need for a Jewish education. 
as uh, I, I alluded to before, it's, it, it's not the kid's fault that when they come home from school, well, now it's soccer practice and now it's swimming and now it's this and now it's that. Right. Um, you know, my, my, my father has gone almost 43 years and I think it was Mark Twain who said, um, you know, the longer he's gone, the, the smarter he gets. Um, my, my father, one of the things my father used to say is, you know, what ain't getting. That means just because you want something, that doesn't mean you're going to have to get it. So I, I think somehow or another, we need within the families and, and whether it's through the synagogues and temples to place more emphasis on uh, the, the Jewish education, uh, whether it's at um, the religious school, at some of the, the temples or the, as far as I'm concerned, um, preferably the, the Silver Academy or a day school, wherever you are. Um, we have to have the, the, the parents, um, we have to have the parents on board. And, and, and I, I know it's, it's a societal thing that, you know, well, we want our kids to be happy. And if the kids want this and that and this and that and whatever else, and, you know, Hebrew school is last on the list. Well, well that's how it's going to be. But we, we, the Jewish people, we are known for, the, I don't know, 2,000 years as the people of the book. I mean, we need somehow to make sure that we are going to be known as the people of the Jewish book and, and re-emphasize the need for, for Jewish education because as the Pew study says, and, and I, I don't like being this blunt, but I, we can't finish what Hitler started. And, and if we don't build ourselves up, there will be, and, and I know probably from 20 years ago, I think Time Magazine had said by the year, I don't remember the year, in the 2020s or 2030s, there will be no Jewish people. We have, thank God, a million times we have proved them wrong because of uh, the, the, again, emphasis and the re-emphasis on Jewish education. And I, I think that's what we need to do and to push, whether it's through the Federation, um, or the, and I know in some areas, I think it's San Diego, the Federation uh, covers tuition at, uh, at uh, day schools. So whether it's the, the Federation kicking in or with school vouchers, um, I know that in some of the big cities, the tuition per year per student is, is over $25,000. And one of the things that, and, and we sent our kids to uh, a day school for high school and, uh, when uh, my oldest was getting ready to sign up for, uh, he did a gap year in Israel. And I don't remember the specific numbers, but somebody said, well, how are you going to pay for that? Not trying to be smart. And I said, pay for it. Hell, it's cheaper than his senior year of high school was. <laughs> and that was, that was true. And so when, when you're, if you have kids, say two years apart, three years apart, and unless you are doing that, that hedge fund on, on Wall Street somewhere, you can't afford to send three kids or four kids to a day school. Um, unless the, the whole system somehow or another is changed where it's, it's more affordable. Right. So. Yeah, it's I mean, it is uh, it is very expensive, and hopefully that's something that will change. We'll have to bring you back for another episode where we crack that nut. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, it is. Yes, it um, is. 
And also you mentioned before about, you know, the families and how, how busy they've been, you know, they run from this activity to that activity. And I'd like to think that now with the situation that we're in with coronavirus, that families have kind of started to take more of a role in their children's education and started to see how important it is. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, you know, they have decided from day one, the entire two semesters, both this semester and the spring semester, will be on Zoom. Okay. And um, I had never taught, probably like everybody else, I had never taught on Zoom. I had done some Zoom classes as a student over the summer. And it's, hmm, how is this going to be? How are we going to do it? But then I got to thinking, if, if we're doing Zoom, then each kid is going to be at home. And uh, I teach fifth graders at Ohio this year. And nobody's going to leave their kid and go out for Starbucks at nine o'clock in the morning and leave their kid alone. The kid's going to be on Zoom and I'm watching what he or she does. And mom or dad are certainly within hearing distance. And what I found is that um, the students are more focused, um, whether it's because mom or dad is right there um, or or they they kind of see it almost like a one-on-one. They have... They have Mr. Rosenberg, Mr. R in their sights, and they do see on, on the, the gallery the other students, but um, seems to be maybe making a, a better connection. And what I've seen some in my classes and, and uh, some other colleagues have told me is that um, they've seen mom or dad sit in and kind of try to pick up something new in class and that opportunity would not be there if we are in class so there's a a positive there as well we miss the social aspect of it just like everybody does but it's the uh, what do they say the next best thing to being there for sure that's reassuring that is reassuring well this is a challenging question um you know, what do you see or how does successful Jewish education look like to you in the future? Um, I, th- I think we're going in the right direction. And as I mentioned earlier, I think we have to, we as a people, as a community, we have to try to figure out um, somehow or another to, to drop the tuition to manageable dollars and cents. Um, I don't know exactly how they have it set up uh, in Israel. Um, so we can't compare the two. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word socialized education, but I think the difference there is unless you are at a specific yeshiva over in Israel, that uh, your schooling is covered, even if you go to a religious school. Um, I don't see that happening here, but I, I would really like, I mentioned earlier, the federations somehow, whether it's an in-kind or dollars and cents, somehow or another, not the tuition down to, to more manageable. I think we need to focus on one of the things that we used to do that parents would, and I don't remember specifics, um, parents to, let's say, um, reduce tuition 
um, mom and or dad would come and serve lunch three times a week, or uh, they would run a, uh, a picnic. I know my father, the, the school, the Yeshiva Academy used to have an annual picnic, and um, that was a moneymaker. But uh, for whoever ran it, the assistants, whoever it was, you'd get X credit. And I don't know, obviously, what the credits were, um, but I don't see that happening. And some of that might be because um, parents, as well as the kids, um, are, are over, overly scheduled. Um, but that's a suggestion that I'd like to see that I think some of the, some of the schools in New Jersey are picking up on. Yeah, so. it sounds like uh, that's definitely a, a big issue. We got to uh, seriously do something about that. Um, yeah, I think it's a, you had some pretty smart answers here. We're pretty uh, blown away. I, 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 listen, like I said, Ari, I've been doing this since before you were born. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd like to think I picked up a little bit along the way. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's education's one of those things where it's it's almost like, you know, thank God there's people like you out there um you know, who know the program and stuff and it, it it's almost like a good news that it's kind of you're saying just like a money issue. We just have to convince people that have money to basically, you know, see the value of Jewish education and then maybe we can change things. Right. So if we could see for, if we could for example have the federation look at education as an investment and not a cost. Right. Mm. People could see 10 years from, nobody has a crystal ball. I understand that. But if you see what's happened, use the, the recent past as a historical lesson. And you'll see that the more that our students, that our children are educated Jewishly, yeah. the better they, it is for them to continue and again, with that shalshela, that chain, that 3,500-year-old chain. Um, so it's, it's, they, it has to be looked at as an investment and not a cost. Right. For sure. All right. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting together with you in, in person soon. And, and maybe we'll put something together and start with the Federation here. You know, why not? There's no place like 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 Harrisburg, and there's no place like well, almost the present. Maybe we, like you say, <laughs> sooner rather than later. Yes, yes. that's right. Yes. <laughs> well, um, Ellis, again, we just want to thank you so much for joining us on on our on the podcast here, and um, we are very honored that uh, you were willing to come on and answer some questions. And all right, yes, I mean, it's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> I look forward again to, to sitting with you guys in the backyard. And well, we wish you all the best and hopefully we will uh, see you soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk <laughs> soon. Take care. <laughs>